Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wise. Here's a little podcast I got to tell about two bad brothers you know so well. It started way back to talk movies with Ad Rock, Mike Smith, and he, Mike D. Wow. Beautiful, Mike. I'm so impressed. Good job. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there it is. My name is Mike Smith. Joining me, as always, is a man who asked that when I bring him out, can I introduce him by releasing five new films in a way that's confusing and suspiciously like you're releasing them like a TV show? <laughs> Mike Trisha. How are you doing today, Mike? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm really appreciating your uh, acceptance of my five movie TV show. I appreciate that a lot. How Absolutely. Uh, for a fellow member of the BC Boys, I, I feel like I would have to accept your <laughs> accept sure. your your programming uh, thing. You know, you're still in my phone as Mike D. That's me. Uh, <laughs> because Never I think, change. Because I think when we first met, like, you know, when we were in college, you told me your name was Mike D. And I was like, oh, like the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I probably that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and so as a result, like whenever you gave me your number, uh, I put it in my phone as Mike D. That's me. And it's been like that for like nine years now Amazing. <laughs> or, or whatever it is. Uh, so, yeah, I am pretty good, Mike. How you uh, how you been? Oh, you know, I'm all right. It's still covid times, uh, but we're coming up on uh, on, on holiday times. So sure. hopefully it'll be uh, work from home time soon. Because also in like three days, uh, New York, we're supposed to get hit by a nor'easter and get covered in 14 inches of snow. Yeah. So thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Positive vibes all yeah. around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully everybody is uh, staying home, staying safe for the holidays. Uh, I'm going to be staying here in Missoula for the first time. I won't be traveling back to New York, which is very, very strange. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and hopefully other people feel the same way. Uh, I was surprised as far as the COVID cases in Montana go. Like after Thanksgiving, I was expecting a huge spike. And we really haven't seen that so far. Uh, it's actually been getting lower in Montana, which is weird. Like we, we were averaging like 12 to 1300 new cases a day. And now we're averaging like 700. Uh, so it's still like it's still bad. It's still not yeah. good. But like it's a, almost half of what we were getting before Thanksgiving, which seems really strange to me. <laughs> There's just no one left in Montana. That's why. <laughs> That could be it. You think the virus got everybody and there's yeah, <laughs> nobody left. <laughs> that is a, a definite possibility. Uh, <laughs> how are things uh, out in New York? I know. I mean, I, I know there's it's not as bad as it was maybe back in like April or whatever, but I know it's, it's yeah. kind of on the rise again, right? Yes. Yeah. I haven't pre- looked at like numbers specifically, and I think that's like a defense mechanism of now that that's I have fair. to go out in the outside and be where the people are. Uh, I'm like an anti Ariel from mermaid, uh, <laughs> little mermaid. Um, I want to go away from where the people are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't want to know, but I know it's not good. This today, uh, indoor dining was canceled, like shut down in New York city. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Effective today, which is insane that it even opened in the first place. If you really think about it, sure. uh, even at 50% capacity. Uh, but yeah, Cuomo shut it down it's effective today. So it's gotten that bad, at least that <laughs> they had to start rolling back to some earlier, uh, you know, lockdown statuses. So, yeah, at the same time, I mean, I think today was the day when the vaccine started to get rolled out. 
yeah. which obviously it's going to take a long time before it actually reaches enough people where this pandemic can be over. Um, mm-hmm. But it is like a light at the end of the tunnel, which is uh, <laughs> like, you know, I, we had, you know, C-SPAN on TV or whatever uh, when I was uh, doing my morning show this morning at the station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of nice just to be able to glance up and see people getting the vaccine and being like, oh, man. It's actually happening. Like this is happening. This is a real thing. Yeah, that's exciting. I think I saw today that I think the first uh, nurse uh, or first person in in the state was a New York City nurse here to get it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So it's going to go out to, you know, healthcare workers first and then, you know, older people, more at risk patients and then start to kind of slowly make its way out to everyone else. So hopefully by the end of 2021, things will be relatively back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're at the very bottom of the list, so yeah. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with all that. The important thing is we still have a lot of movies and TV shows and video games and all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to keep us occupied in the meantime. Uh, so today we're just going to be doing some uh, kind of off mic quarantine watch discussions, which we've been doing, you know, this entire year. Uh, and this will actually be the last one of these for the year, Mike. Yeah, yeah. It's big, big, big moves we're making in the last two weeks of uh, 2020. <laughs> We were like, you know what? After nine months, enough. <laughs> After nine months of just kind of coasting, we are. <laughs> yeah. We're decided, you know what? Let's put some actual programming back to the podcast again. And so uh, next week, we're going to dedicate an episode just to talking about uh, The Mandalorian season two, which will have just aired uh, its uh, season two finale. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, discussing that with you, Mike, uh, especially because you are some. I, I, I still haven't actually talked with you about it yet for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. And I think at this point, we should probably just hold off until we actually get to talk about it for the episode but i feel like you're not a huge fan of where this season has gone uh, or at least certain elements of this season of the show yeah i think that's a fair assessment to make and i kind of am enjoying the air of secrecy we have around it for no reason at all <laughs> <laughs> does mike like or not like the mandalorian we'll find out next week uh I, I i will say i'm enjoying the show i think it's pretty good uh i, I think it's so far been more consistent than season one for me uh, which I also mm. liked quite a bit. And I, and also kind of enjoying this like brief period where it is the only Star Wars show because <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty soon it's going to get lost in like the content shuffle uh, with like six different Star Wars shows a year from Disney Plus. And it's going to be it's going to be nuts, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I I was like actively disengaged in the Disney investor meeting shit. Yeah, I started to see the tweets. And I was like, no, I'm out. I don't give a shit. I hate every single one of these. No, that wasn't my exact reaction. My reaction, my actual general reaction was I don't have an ounce of energy or brain cells left to care about these things until they're actually out. And that's when I will start to think about them and consider them. Otherwise, I don't care. I don't want to know about the 25 Marvel things that are happening. I don't (laughs) care about the 17 Disney things. Like, I'll see them when I see them. And that's all I can say about it. Yeah, the kind of like. I kind of had the same reaction, except I was actually like following it a lot. Uh, Like I was I was refreshing my feed and being like, oh, so they're doing this. Oh, so they're doing this. Okay, so they're doing this. And I was trying to watch uh, the game awards at the same time because I'm a gamer now, Mike. I'm back in the games in a big way in 2020. Uh, I heard. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I watched the game awards, which, uh, you know, I, I was kind of interested in them because I used to watch the Spike TV video game awards like back in the mm-hmm. day. Uh, and this is sort of like the offshoot of that uh, kind of the evolution of the video game awards. Cause Spike TV, I guess still exists, but they're not really like the gamer channel channel anymore. Yeah. You know? uh, and so they don't do that award show anymore, but now they did the game awards, which, and they've done this for a couple of years now and they, you know, are 
pretty widely watched, it seems like. A couple of big celebrities were there, like Keanu Reeves, who was in Cyberpunk, and, you know, Brie Larson and Tom Holland, who's going to be Nathan Drake. So, like, video game adjacent people uh, Mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, So the Game Awards were interesting, uh, and I I think I would have liked it to be more of an awards show than it is, because really it is just, like, three and a half hours of watching trailers for games that aren't aren't out yet. Yeah, yeah. There's I've talked about uh, Jim Sterling, who's a YouTube video game critic. I've mentioned them before. Yeah. And they were talking about, or on their channel, they do a, a, they call it the video game advertisements presented by Jeff Keighley featuring (laughs) Jeff Keighley uh, because it's, that's all it is. It's the video game advertisements. It's not really the video game awards. Yeah. And, but it's weird because like the attitude around them makes it seem like, oh, this is like the Oscars of video games in some ways, right? Like there's like, you know, sort of this aura about it. I would hope that in like the years to come, like I don't mind like a few like world premiere trailers and then that can be cool. Uh, But when it's literally just like, okay, now it's like three or four trailers for games that I'm never going to think about ever again. (laughs) Yeah. I I did see people too talking about, you know, the video game, the the score composition and music awards were relegated to like a pre-show. Yeah. Like 30 second clip thing. But sure, we can have five minutes of Eddie Vedder singing. Like, well, what are you doing? Well, that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I mean, that is very cool. But if you're going to be the video game awards. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I agree with that. But like Eddie Vedder was singing his song from The Last of Us Part Two, So it, it right. made sense. It tied in. But it was just one of those things where like, uh, you know, I want like the award showy stuff. I like award shows, you know, and I want like, yeah. you know, like that musical performance was cool. They had the London Philharmonic playing like a Mario medley to celebrate his 35th anniversary. And that was cool. Uh, just, you know, you don't see like hyped up trailers for big movies coming out during the Oscars. You know, you know, yeah. that's not a thing that you do during the Oscars. And I feel like that's a, the thing that's keeping them from being like a respectable awards institution or whatever, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the video game industry is a clusterfuck. So well, that's true. Also, <laughs> yeah, that's also very true. Cause as soon as you give like an awards body, the ability to vote on what is the best thing in, of the year or whatever, uh, game fans will destroy them. Like, yes, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already because I know the game awards, the way they work, it's like, it's an awards body, but like fans get to vote also. And their vote counts for like 10% or something uh, against the awards body that votes for them or whatever. Uh, So it it can be, if it's a very close vote in the body itself, the fan vote could push it over the edge. Uh, But mostly the fan vote doesn't really matter all that much. (laughs) Yeah. They just need to get that hashtag engagement. To yeah. come watch the trailers. Exactly. Uh, but The Last of Us Part 2, one game of the year, which was, uh, you know, my favorite game of the year so far. I've only played like two or three games from this year, uh, but, but I have been getting back into games in a big way, like I've been saying. Like, <laughs> uh, but the point is, I was watching the Game Awards while the Disney investor stuff was going down, and it felt weird. Oh, yeah. that, and it felt weird that they were both happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah, know? like somebody couldn't have sent like an Outlook notification to each other. Right. And be like, oh, you have a conflicting schedule. Uh, yeah, like, like, which obviously like the Game Awards would have moved because there's no way you're competing against yeah. Disney uh, <laughs> in that front. Uh, but so I was watching the Game Awards and kind of like seeing all these like big world premiere trailers and, you know, seeing the awards and stuff while also kind of scrolling through Twitter and seeing the endless barrage of news uh, about yeah. Star Wars, about Marvel, about Pixar are and some of it was so like bizarre and ridiculous it's one of those things where it's like this can't be real like pixar can't (laughs) be making a buzz lightyear origin story movie starring chris evans that can't be an actual thing and then it is that's a real thing they're making (laughs) who gives a shit mike um it's it's i i know it's all insane and preposterous uh and you know a lot of it is interesting kind of watching it though and just be realizing to myself like okay 
maybe Star Wars and Marvel aren't as like special as they once were to me. Like I, and I've, right. You know, I, I love Star Wars. I love Marvel stuff. Uh, and I have, you know, watched all, all of the movies many, many times, except for Rise of Skywalker. I watched that twice and I probably won't ever watch it again. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it just feels like, and all of this stuff is probably stuff I will watch. Like that's the, th- that's the thing. Right. Like I know myself and I know I'm going to want to watch these because I like Star Wars. I like Marvel. I like to know, you know what's happening next and stuff like that. But like, man, there was a time when like, you know, there was one Star Wars movie every three years sometimes. And that, right. and that was all you got. Maybe you got a cartoon on TV and that was basically it. And man, I, I, I felt like overwhelmed by the barrage of news because, uh, I mean, there was, you know, Mandalorian spinoffs and there was the Obi-Wan Kenobi show and there was, you know, the Cassie Andor show. And a lot of that was stuff that's already been announced. Uh, but then they yeah. also announced like more stuff on top of it. And it's like. Come out with the stuff you announced first <laughs> right. and then announce more stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, you remember when there was one Marvel movie a year uh, right. instead of three? And this was the first time since, what, 2009 or something that there was yeah. no, no, like that can't be right. Is that, it 2009? Yeah, no, two, 2009. That was a year. I mean, X-Men Origins Wolverine came out, but it wasn't a Marvel Studios movie. Uh, yeah. So 2009 was the last year without a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie until this year, until 2020. Right. Uh, and it's so refreshing. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, and I again, I'm somebody who's very into that stuff. I was very hyped up for Endgame and, you know, I'll, I'll, I will oh, see all these movies yeah. in theaters and all that stuff. But getting to take a break for 2020 was like an <laughs> yeah. unexpected, nice side effect of the COVID pandemic it was like, you know, Black Widow is not a movie I was particularly looking forward to all that much. I was going to go see it. I was probably going to enjoy it. But it was one that was like, OK, I'm I'm OK with, uh, you know, just seeing it. And that that basically yeah, I wasn't hyped. And now that I haven't gotten to watch a Marvel movie in a year, I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm kind of ready to watch Black Widow now. <laughs> You know, yeah. now I'm ready to like, you know, I've been refreshed. But, you know, 2021, they've got four movies scheduled uh, for <laughs> Black Widow, Eternals, uh, Spider-Man 3 and something Black else. Black Cat Silver uh, Sable. No. <laughs> Black Cat Silver Sable is the one, obviously. I'm, I'm completely blanking on what the other movie is. I used to be so on point with knowing exactly when every Marvel movie had come out and was coming out. And now it's all a mess, Mike. <laughs> You know what this is? This is the Homer in hell with the donut situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where it's like, you wanted this? Well, you got it. And now we're just going to get demolished by Disney properties. Yeah. And now it's, you know, four Marvel movies and like five Marvel TV shows a year from now until the end of time. Uh, Plus a bunch of Star Wars TV shows, too. They also announced a Star Wars Rogue Squadron, which is the new movie uh, directed Mm -hmm. by Patty Jenkins, who did the Wonder Woman movies, which is kind of cool. You know, there's no obviously no footage of that. Yeah, there's kind of a brief teaser of her in an X-Wing. And that was basically it. Uh, But yeah, kind of cool stuff. Like there's all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll probably watch it. I'll probably like it. I think it's cool. I like Star Wars. I like Marvel. But like, it's too much, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need 45 announcements in a single day or right. whatever the total number was. Yeah, space space that shit out. And, you know, some of that stuff is probably not going to happen either. You know, I, I think there's, you know, just the way stuff gets developed and moved along and stuff like, you know, I think you're going to hear about like, oh, whatever happened to that Star Wars Legends of the, I don't know, fucking Hidden Temple. Hidden <laughs> <laughs> that actually kind of exists. The Star Wars Legend of the Hidden Temple show. Uh, what? There's a, a a YouTube TV show on like the Star Wars YouTube channel that Disney produces or whatever. Uh, yeah. And it's like a Legends of the Hidden Temple, but like Star Wars themed. And, and it's hosted by Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks in uh, this the prequel. Sounds like the coolest thing ever, actually. Uh, it's I watched a few minutes of the first episode. It's kind of fun. It's nice. <laughs> you That's know. cool. So there's that. So And yeah, there's weird stuff like that. I, I, I if they kept making weirder stuff like that, that it's like easily ignored but they're kind of funny to just be like oh it's kind of weird that that exists uh yeah <laughs> that's it's like fine. the floor is lava netflix show 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I know one of the Star Wars shows that they announced was like a droid story. And it was like the adventures of C-3PO and R2-D2. And it's like, no one wants that. <laughs> Come on. But gonna watch it like <laughs> come on give me give me wally but in star wars yeah i mean my, just like a silent droid movie <laughs> i mean my only hope is that at least a few of these things will break new ground for star wars you know i, I like hopefully yeah. you know and I, I know a few of them are like spinoffs of the mandalorian but like i think the mandalorian has done a pretty good job of being its own thing while also kind of incorporating larger universe stuff uh but i would like save it, to, it for next week mike well that's also true but i would like it to yeah i would like these other shows to go further than that and just seriously just be their own thing no mention of jedi or skywalker yeah. or whatever and just be its own thing is that so much to ask <laughs> Oh, it is. That's way too much because it's not a obviously bankable idea. Yes. So that's true. Although some of those ideas they put out there are not obviously bankable. There was like a a sister act three that they announced uh, (laughs) on Disney plus. And it's like, all right. I mean, I don't think the world was clamoring for sister act three. I'm sure people will watch it. That gives me a lot of hope for national treasure three. Then. Yeah, that is one thing that's so weird. They announced like Sister Act three, an, an enchanted sequel called like Disenchanted and like, you know, right. all, all this stuff that's like, OK, there's I could see there being maybe a little bit of an audience for this, but like National Treasure, man, come on. <laughs> it's yeah. right there. But anyway, we we talked about the Disney stuff for a little bit longer than I think we meant to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's we, talk about more Disney stuff. Yeah, sort of tangentially. <laughs> I think Disney would like you to forget that this is a Disney thing now, actually. Um, but uh, yeah. before we get into that gotta say that all the theme songs you're gonna hear this episode <laughs> were created by kyle cullen who you can reach for your own theme songs at kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com and our logo was designed by jacob honeycutt or at jacob honey on twitter if you ever want to contact us find something we did in the show you can email us over at mike and mike go to the movies at gmail.com and now let's get into our discussions watch this these are my discussions Just when I thought I said all I could say My buddy and I talk about movies we see These are my discussions There is so much to see You and me So we're gonna talk about movies For our discussions all right, it's time for our discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. And yeah, speaking of Disney stuff, here is one that they really wanted to just put under the rug and hope that no one ever saw it ever again. Yeah. Uh, so we have talked about this movie kind of a lot over the past few years <laughs> uh, because this is a movie that uh, Mike and I were both kind of interested in just because it was taking a pretty well-known franchise in a different direction. It was a spinoff with no the none of the original characters and stuff like that. Uh, and it was sort of moving into a horror direction, at least that's what it seemed like the first trailer for this movie came out in like October 2017 (laughs) and more than three years ago and it was supposed to be released in April of 2018 and then it got pushed to like September 2018 and then it got pushed to April 2019 and then just kept getting pushed and like originally I think it was pushed because like you know it was a 20th Century Fox movie and Fox wanted to do some reshoots they weren't satisfied with how it was testing and stuff like that so they wanted to reshoot the whole thing uh, or like do some significant third act changes or whatever it was and then Disney bought Fox which she destroyed everything on the Fox slate. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody knew what was going on. Uh, and especially with this movie, which, uh, Disney decided, Hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to delay this, uh, also. <laughs> and yeah. you know, we're not doing the reshoots. We're just delaying the movie and like kind of figuring out where it's going to be. And there was talk about it, maybe just going straight to streaming, but instead it kept getting delayed. And then it was supposed to come out in April, 2020. And then the pandemic happened <laughs> and then it just didn't get to happen until finally this movie was the movie to open theaters in the United States <laughs> in Jesus August. 2020. 
this is the movie that got released August 2020, the very first weekend that theaters were back open. Of course, we're talking about The New Mutants. The reason you survived is because you're a very uncommon girl. You're not alone. Not anymore. Do you know what mutants are? Would anyone like to share their first time? Rain? I was 13. I thought it was a dream. I just lost control. Sam? I started panicking. People got hurt. Roberto? My girlfriend had burned her. Eliana? I killed 18 men. One by one. This isn't a hospital. It's a cage. It's important we find out your power so we can help you get better. Uh, so, Mike, we, we had been talking about this movie a lot, and uh, I think we, it became like a running joke for us in our end of the year episodes where uh, we would put this on like our most anticipated movies of next year list, being like, OK, this time New Mutants has to come out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? it was on there three times. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we, we would always look ahead and be like, huh, New Mutants is on this list last year, still on the list this year. And oh, it's on the list next year, too. It's yeah, <laughs> this was like the perennial like it just kept getting pushed for whatever reason. And we were like, is this? This movie, like, I don't know if it'll be good, but like we're just fascinated with like what it's going to be now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I honestly completely forgot about it until uh, in a group chat, producer Colin, like I mentioned, I think last week was like, holy shit, Mike, you have to see you have to actually watch New Mutants. It's out now. Like it's yeah. available. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I made it a point last night to watch it. And uh, like, yeah, it's a it's a uh, uh, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. It's all right. I hope you can like accurately translate that as a pull quote for the poster. Just like <laughs> it's, uh, bah, bah, it's it's fine, I guess. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I think I think some of it has very interesting ideas about like what the X-Men universe could be like, you know, expanding that beyond just like the tentpole action movie kind of deal. But then in the third act, it just becomes the tentpole action movie kind of third act. It's only missing a beam into the sky. Yeah. Uh, Like it's just shy of that, which is okay, I guess, for this kind of thing. Uh, I think overall, like most of the performances are pretty good or well, okay, pretty okay. uh, Rather, (laughs) they're they're fine. I didn't have to pay to watch this, so it gets that much more of a pass than if I had (laughs) gone to a theater, I would have been probably very disappointed. Sure. So, yeah, but but ultimately, you know, at like nine o'clock on a Sunday night, I'm not really doing anything anyway. So sure, I'll watch New Mutants. Yeah, it's also relatively short. It's like, you know, 95 yeah. minutes or whatever. Sweet uh, spot. Yeah, I uh, I almost saw this at the drive in uh, like this past summer because uh, I was like, I got to go see New Mutants. I got to see what this is all about. And, you know, it was playing at the theater near me, but I didn't feel safe. Didn't want to go to the theater yet. Have not been back yet. So there's a drive in that opened up this summer uh, about an hour from my house. And I've mentioned it on this podcast a few times. I saw a few movies mm-hmm. there this summer, including Tenet. Uh, and New Mutants played there for like a day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it played there for like one day. And then it was like, well, uh, I think something else came up like the next. I think the next night was like a drive in concert or something. I think like Metallica was doing like a live show at the drive in right. or whatever. And like so they didn't play New Mutants that night and instead played that. And then the drive ins not was not open during the week. So it's it's literally like Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, and so I was like, well, OK, so. When next weekend, it'll be my chance to go see New Mutants. It was not. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the drive-in said no. Yeah, New Mutants was gone, and it had been replaced by Tenet, and so I went to go see Tenet instead, and, you know, Tenet was pretty good. Uh, better than New Mutants. I can say that, <laughs> I can say that now, so it all worked out. But uh, New Mutants, uh, yeah, I, I caught up with this uh, through my Netflix disc plan, so I also did not mm-hmm. pay direct money to watch New Mutants. I paid it to Netflix, and they sent me a disc. But, uh, yeah, I think this is okay. It's fine it's there's some good elements here and you know there's some some really talented performers uh who were on the verge of breaking out three years ago and now have already broken out um right (laughs) you know like Anya taylor joy is in this movie uh who's you know blowing up right now she was on the queen's gambit on netflix huge hit uh haven't watched it heard it was good uh like Maisie williams who's Arya stark in game of thrones is in this movie old buyers from stranger things uh, right is I don't know that guy's name or the character's name. I just call him old buyers. Yeah. Like there's, you know, some talented, you know, people who are in a couple of like well-known things popping up in new mutants. Uh, and it is an interesting direction. I was, I was actually curious if they would ever mention the X-Men in the movie. And they actually do very briefly. It's like, yeah, one, there's like one moment where like, what do you think they're doing to us? And like, don't you know, they're recruiting us for the X-Men. And they kind of does like the professor Xavier, like, you know, wheelchair thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is a interesting like movie universe take. Like you said, it kind of references the X-Men once or twice and like is about mutants. And they kind of lead like they do lead you to believe like, oh, my superior runs a school for gifted mutants. And you're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. I've seen the other 20 movies, (laughs) Um, you know, and that kind of stuff. And that's that's kind of fun. I think it reuses footage from Logan at one point. There's like a school like there's a vision of like kids being tortured in like a medical facility which i think is the like cell phone footage they smuggle out in logan oh interesting or i think yeah it looks sort of similar at least and i was like that's kind of interesting so like there's kind of you know touches of the other universe other movies and it does kind of go into this weird horror territory but like with no explanation um, of like who the fuck are these smiley dudes with the no eyes and there's you know that's weird it's it's got a real um like like cabin in the woods situation going on where it's like this movie from five years ago and all these people are stars now yeah (laughs) just getting released um uh so that was interesting and i think you know this isn't a a franchise like specifically the new mutants is like a comic book line sure that i'm like particularly familiar with but i do know some of my friends were and they were like kind of upset at like how they have changed some of the characters from the comics iliana with anya taylor joy's character uh, rasputin right is her is her name i th- i think so yeah. yeah and how she's just like outwardly like actively racist to the main character for being native american in this movie which right. is a strange character choice. Yeah, I mean, the way it works in the movie, like, it feels like she's trying to antagonize the character and, like, you know, she's she's the new kid and trying to be racist towards her and stuff. And I think the weirdest thing about it is it's very lazily racist. It's like, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, she's like, oh, hey, Standing Rock or whatever. And it's like him and she gives like a smirk to the camera and like, OK, fine. Yeah, like, <laughs> like which is weird because I had to stop and look like Standing Rock was like current news events at the time in 2017 when this was supposed to come out that would have been like an incredible i mean it is an incredibly insensitive thing but sure. like like at the like it's concurrent with this movie coming out or when this movie would have come out um so yeah. it's very weird uh but they but left yeah, it in the like, movie and stuff like yeah that. yeah and like calling her pocahontas and stuff and it's like come the fuck on right it's, it's 2020 but 2017 when you wrote this shit um <laughs> yeah i mean I, th- I think the way it's utilized in the movie it's supposed to be like okay she's like outwardly antagonistic 
antagonistic towards this character. And then it's supposed to be like, oh, well, they're friends by the end of the movie. So it's character growth or whatever. But like, yeah, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, it made un- me think unnecessary. Of- didn't need it. I like Anya Taylor-Joy otherwise in this movie. I think she's pretty good. Uh, yeah. She gets some, some very cool moments, especially towards the end, uh, which, you know, she's like her mutant power is she like her arm turns into metal and she like gets a flaming sword and jumps through portals. And like that shit rules. That's awesome. Yeah. That is very dope. She gets uh, a she's pet got dragon. dragon. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. But I feel like there's a lot of moments where she gets like camera close up. Soundtrack goes away and she's supposed to get like a badass one liner. Yeah. And it's just like whiffs every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it feels I mean, it feels like a very low budget version of an X-Men movie, which it is. You know, it's obviously kind of, it was kind of a box office risk and they're not even calling it an X-Men movie. They're calling it the new mutants. And you're just kind of expected to go along yeah. with it. And it is weird. And it just feels like it feels like it's obviously meant to start a franchise that will not exist because Disney bought Fox, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, it, it feels like the pilot episode of a TV series that we're never going to get to see. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense as like a perfect 90 minute like this would be a two part pilot. And right. then it'll just we'll never see it again. I did also want to notice that or mention that like the the opening logo of like the 20th century pictures, which looks like hot fucking garbage. It looks like somebody was like, oh, shit, Photoshop out 20th century Fox. And it's like yep. the fonts don't match. Like it just looks awful um, unless it's just like, you know, from almost 30 years of being alive and seeing 20th century Fox that I know right. like you're used that to that what it wrong. looks like and now it looks like they should have just kept the Fox name I don't know why they, I and mean, maybe they couldn't because Fox still exists as like a news organization and stuff or whatever maybe. it is but it just feels weird that it's not still called 20th Century Fox yeah yeah which made me mad too that when they announced that the back to the Disney investor thing that like aliens Noah Hawley TV show oh yeah <laughs> which is like cool but like fuck you you're ruining all the fox things <laughs> like you're holding them all hostage right. like they won't let people screen the films anymore yeah and, and, you're al- gonna and also them. just give me a new ridley scott alien movie i want him to complete the david trilogy for god's sake right? god damn it <laughs> uh yeah so new mutants it's uh it's a weird one because it is it it feels like such a holdover from the fox x-men days uh yeah. right and it was obviously meant to start like a new franchise that's not going to exist anymore and it feels like this is, this is a movie that is that was perpetually in release limbo. And now it just feels like a movie that is in limbo, like eternally. Like it feels like something that like you watch it and it's like, huh, there, there feels like there was a lot more like on the edges of this thing that don't exist. <laughs> I can't wait for like 10 years time of if the society, if society still exists for people to like, be discovering just the new mutants. Right. <laughs> like, like, Oh, what is this strange movie on this? Whatever streaming service. Yeah. Uh, on Disney's internet. And then you turn it on <laughs> and, and it's just this movie. That's like the 15th movie in a series that just right. has no context besides it. Yeah. And as a result, it gets like reclaimed. It's like a secret masterpiece. Yeah. You know, one of those things where it's like, Oh man, like they, they tried to do this like big experimental X-Men thing and it didn't work out because Disney bought Fox and all this stuff. Like there's like a whole lot of historical context behind it and everybody like gets really into it all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not, a good, it's not a very good movie. I don't, I don't, no. I don't think it deserves that treatment, but like, it's a, it's a weird artifact now. Like it's it's very strange. Yeah, well, we uh, would have been at the forefront of that uh, resurgence, Mike, with our three looking forward to it segments. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. When the when the books are written about the new mutants, <laughs> we'll be in the first chapter. <laughs> yeah, we're going to write the foreword <laughs> for the new mutants book, which will come out. Uh, by the way, directed by Josh Boone, uh, who is the director of The Fault in Our Stars. Uh, and this was like his next thing right after that. Like, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah. you know, it's kind of a guy doing like a, a very popular like drama, com- like drama movie or like small budget thing and then gets to jump to like a big studio thing. Uh, but it's still not like the big studio thing. It's like this weird offshoot of the big studio thing. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about? And I feel bad for having this comparison in my mind the whole time. Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely could see there's definitely parallels there. <laughs> not not like I mean, Fantastic Four is definitely worse, but I just kept thinking about it the whole time. Yeah. You know what? I, I might. You know, I think as a whole, Fantastic Four is worse. I think the first like two thirds of Fantastic Four are probably better than anything in New Mutants. <laughs> like, yeah, like maybe. I, I mean, I remember kind of like not liking Fantastic Four all that much, but like sort of vibing with its like science is cool, like yeah <laughs> mentality uh, thing. It was very like a Joe Dante's Explorers, where I'm just like you know I'm, I'm into like the sciencey aspects of it, and it's like kind of cool that it's you know about these nerdy kids or whatever, and they get this freak accident, and like then there's this body horror shit that the movie incorporates yeah. in there, and then and then I think the biggest mistake with the Fantastic Four movie, which there are a lot of them, but I think the biggest one is that it cuts to a year later, um, <laughs> like midway through the movie, and skips it skips the good parts. It skips all the interesting things about what it's doing <laughs> and, and then jessica alba's wig shows up and you're like i'm out uh kate mara's wig actually kate is. mara <laughs> jessica alba's in the other ones yeah right. jessica alba was in the original fantastic four movies kate mara's wig yeah by the way there was a fantastic four logo at the uh the disney investors uh thingy my bob didn't no info but there was a logo so you know they're they're working on something <laughs> great uh anyway so that's new mutants uh it's okay it's, it's all it's, right, right? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it definitely a weird one for the X-Men to go out on, but I guess a little bit better than Dark Phoenix, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I like that this one, like the franchise sort of ends on like a hopeful note, like because the final like moments of this is like, OK, you know, I get it. Yeah, it's like, OK, let's explore now. And they like are walking out of the gate and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, OK. Yeah, kind of ends on a nice note. Yeah. So. All right. So that's New Mutants. And I think we can move on from that. Mike, what else you've been watching lately? Oh, man, we still have so much stuff to talk about. I um, know. Let's try to go as quickly <clears throat> as possible. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> next one. Uh, first thing I watched is 2018's The Night Comes for Us. OK, and I think I saw this, actually. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a, I think it's a quote unquote Netflix original where. I, yeah, I think like the American distribution of it was Netflix original, but I don't know internationally, at least. Yeah. Is this from one of the guys who were was in the raid? Right. Was that? The yes. Thing? Yes. Yeah. OK, I did see this. And I think the same director, if I remember right. I don't think he's the same director, but I think it's, you know, he might have produced it. Gareth Evans, right? So you're talking about. Uh, uh, no, OK. Yeah. So he didn't direct this then. Yeah. Gareth Evans directed The Raid and The Raid 2, but it might be like the stunt coordinator or something from those movies who directed this one. I think something like that. Yeah. And the main guy from The Raid is in this. I forget yeah. his name. I didn't write it down. Um, but yeah. So Ray there's Nick a Raiders. <laughs> yes. Ra- Raid man. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Jordan Cruciola, who's a, a film critic and like entertainment writer, uh, put a put a Twitter thread out last week, I think, or two weeks ago. That was like, you know, what are some fight scenes that like you sometimes think about? And I responded with the like Cynthia Rothrock, Michelle Yeoh from Yes, Madam, like the big sure. fight scene. Uh, and the one that Jordan posted was from The Night Comes For Us. And I remember when this came out, there was like a lot of hype around it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fight. I'm going to check it out. And uh, yeah, man, this movie fucking rocks. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's about like this triad enforcer in like the opening intro who betrays his triad gang member guys to save this little girl in a village that they're like slaughtering. Uh, like he just can't bring himself to kill her. So he turns on everybody and it just becomes about the triads and other gang members hunting him down and trying to kill this girl and kill him. 
And like his brother is this other like elite enforcer guy. And it just becomes, you know, this kind of cat and mouse thing between this one guy versus the entire like, you know, triad underground kind of thing. Yeah. And it's brutal and it's intense. And if you've seen the raid, you you get it basically <laughs> like this kind of gun foo, like really fast paced hand to hand combat stuff. And it's got a lot of really just badass. It's, it's the kind of like underground world where every assassin like has a specific style and signature weapon, even though like that's not how the real world works ever. Right. Um, but it's cool as hell when they use it. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's the night comes for us. Definitely recommend if you're in, if you're like feeling the itch for that, just like bloody brutal, like you feel every punch kind of martial arts movie. Yeah. I remember really digging it, um, but I don't remember too much about the movie. Cause I saw it like around the time it came out. So it was like two years ago, but mm -hmm. I do remember that there was like one really incredible fight scene, which there are many, but like the one that really stuck out to me and I'm blanking on some of the details, but I think it was like the two like female characters are going at each other and like destroy, like I think it's in a stairwell or something. And it, yeah. it's, it's wild. It is so visceral and so intense and it's, it's so great. That's the one that Jordan, uh, her, picture was from was that fight scene with the, okay. two, the two women in the in the stairwell and it, that's intense as hell that's so cool yeah yeah so that's uh the night comes for us and then um i'll follow that up with a movie that is the exact direct polar complete total opposite okay. and that is the uh low-key shot on 16 millimeter surf documentary <laughs> called <laughs> hangs upon nothing from 2014 okay um yeah and this is a vinegar syndrome blu-ray question mark they had like a sub label i think and I, I tried to do some research but because vinegar syndrome shuts down their site post the black friday sale so they could ship everything without getting new orders yeah i haven't been able to go on their website and like research how this is released but they had a sub label called etiquette pictures that was going to focus on documentaries and i think they only put out like four or five discs and then shut it down um so they still had like still have those in stock and this is one of them and yeah this is just a a like low-key hangout 90 minute like 16 millimeter surf documentary that this guy is an artist and journalist kind of guy went and followed different groups of people in like uh the south pacific on like in bali and uh, forget a couple other places just like their day-to-day -day lives and like how they surf and one guy lives on a houseboat and like just yeah follows the waves man like and you know he's like left america and that's his life now and like a couple locals like native people from bali that like they surf and like talking about how it's becoming a tourist city and like that used to be all rice patties in their town, but now there's hotels and tourists and concrete and like that change. And it's like, just this like kind of vibe hangout, like the guy, the artist, uh, the director artist band did the score. And it's this kind of like, you know, shoegaze surf rock slow style thing. And it's, it's really fun and interesting. And it's more of just kind of like a put on in the background and zone out kind of movie. Like I kind of want to yeah. wish I had been high when I was watching this. Cause it is that kind of <laughs> vibe. And it's like very minimalist in general. Like there's some dialogue, which is really just like voiceover interview style stuff where he's like talking to the guys over footage of whatever just like is happening. So yeah, that's thanks about nothing. And it's something I just kind of picked up because it was on sale, I think in May when I got it at their half off black or halfway to black Friday sale for video yeah. syndrome. So I got it for like 15 bucks and I saw it was just this like experimental surf documentary and I was like, hey, I'll check it out. Whatever. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
Yeah, and it's really cool, and it's like very grainy, and and you know, it's interesting to see like a high def Blu-ray that's not like a cleaned up perfect picture. Like they left the rounded edge edges right. of the fifty of the sixteen millimeter, and and like you can kind of see some scratches and grain and stuff. So yeah, it's hangs upon nothing, which like I said is the exact polar opposite of the <laughs> like visceral sleek the uh, the night comes for us action movie. Nice, cool. All right, so that yeah. is a uh, what hangs upon nothing is what it's called. Yes. Okay. Cool. And that's available on uh, Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a couple of movies on Hulu that I wanted to, uh, to talk about. Uh, first off is a uh, a new original movie on Hulu, uh, directed by Clea Duvall and uh, written by Clea Duvall and Mary Holland, and it's called Happiest Season. I just woke up thinking about going home with you and got very excited about Christmas. I get to go meet the people that made my favorite person. I'll always take December away over summer. Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. She is my person, and I really want everyone to know that. I want to marry her. What are you doing on your phone? I left a gentleman alone in my apartment, so I'm tracking him to make sure he leaves. You're tracking him? Yeah, I track everybody. If the NSA can do it, so can I. I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm finally going to meet everyone. There's something that we should talk about. I didn't tell my parents I'm gay. So who do they think I am? This is Harper's orphan friend, Abby. Yes, of course. They're there. You're so brave. You don't need to be. And you may have seen Happiest Season uh, online, you know, in the Twitter yeah. sphere and stuff. There's been a lot of conversation around this movie and uh, specifically how it portrays uh, gay relationships and things like that. And there are a lot of different sides to it. I won't go into all that stuff. I will say I found the movie mostly pretty charming. I think it's pretty solid. It's a, a solid little romantic comedy uh, with some questionable political stuff in it. But like it's pretty good for the most part. The plot of the movie is that uh, Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart are a lesbian couple and they decide to go back to Mackenzie Davis's parents' house for Christmas, uh, but Mackenzie Davis has not come out to her parents yet and so Chris, uh, Kristen Stewart needs to pretend to be like her roommate and not mm-hmm. like her lover uh, while she's around her parents uh, and that's sort of the general gist of the movie and hijinks ensue, you know, wacky romantic, <laughs> wacky romantic comedy type stuff. I think uh, Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart are both good in the movie. Uh, Kristen Stewart especially is very, very good. Uh, great cast surrounding them too. Mary Steenburgen's in here. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, uh, who is really great. Uh, Allison Brie uh, and Mary Holland herself, who co-wrote the movie. Uh, she is a, a really funny comedian and she's been on Comedy Bang Bang a bunch. I've been a fan of her for a while. Uh, and she is like uh, Mackenzie Dave's sister in the movie. She steals the entire thing. She is nice. really, really funny uh, throughout. Uh, Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek also in here as like Kristen Stewart's best friend and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty charming, solid, like holiday romantic comedy. Uh, one of those things that, uh, yeah, I liked it. Don't think I'll probably ever watch it again, but like I, I thought it was a pretty solid time. And there's questionable stuff in it for sure, like the way it portrays its relationships and whether they might be in some kind of abusive relationship is the way Mackenzie Davis behaves around her. It's not like Whoa. not physically abusive by any means, but like maybe yeah. emotionally uh, and just, you know, being forcing Kristen Stewart into the situation and, you know, being awkward around the parents and stuff. But the movie's pretty solid. There's some very funny moments in the movie, uh, some good, you know, solid chemistry between Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza, especially uh, to the to a degree where it's like maybe the movie should have ended with her leaving Mackenzie Davis and getting with <laughs> Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> I did see a lot of that. I don't know. I yeah. had no context for it, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, in the movie, Aubrey Plaza is like Mackenzie Davis's ex-girlfriend, uh, kind of understands what Kristen Stewart's going through, basically, like with this whole situation. And like they sort of connect and like hang out together. Uh, yeah. And at, at a certain point, it's like, why doesn't it just end with <laughs> Kristen Stewart yeah. and Aubrey Plaza together? But uh, but I did enjoy the movie. It's pretty solid. and It's on Hulu right now. So that's a happiest season. And then for uh, something the complete opposite of the uh, the charming little family Christmas movie, uh, a very 
dark, upsetting, bleak movie. Also available on Hulu and uh, one of the best movies I've seen this year. It's called The Assistant and it's directed by Kitty Green, uh, who has mostly done documentaries up to this point. Uh, she did one um, about the JonBenet Ramsey case a couple years ago, I think. Okay. Uh, and so this is her first narrative feature, but it uh, stars Julia Garner in the lead role. And it's about this girl who works for this, uh, you know, Hollywood uh, not Hollywood, it's in New York City, but like a film production company. And it's just about her being an assistant in like a day in her life uh, where she starts to understand some of the uh, not so great practices that are going on in the business uh, involving sexual harassment and things like that. And it's a very bleak movie, mostly just about that powerlessness at what do you do in this situation? And it's not even happening to her, which I think is the interesting thing. Um, like the movie's not about her experiencing the sexual harassment. It's her, It's about her experiencing the culture of sexual harassment. Um, right. It's it's this largely like it's this unseen movie executive who's like the head of it all. And it's, it's supposed to be like a Harvey Weinstein type figure. Uh, but you never see him on the screen or anything. You hear his voice a couple of times. He like, you know, hires this new girl, an assistant who like just, you know, out of nowhere. And, you know, she's from like Idaho or whatever. No, no movie experience or anything like that. And, you know, he puts her up in the hotel room and, you know, some stuff goes down. And it's but it's all about Julia Garner's character and about like her, you know, she goes to HR to report it. And there's this incredible scene where Matthew McFadden plays the HR rep and just him like downplaying the whole thing and like making her feel bad for even coming to the thing. Wow. And it's a it's a very bleak movie. It's it is not a feel Intense. good time. <laughs> But it's very, very good. I think a very good look at this kind of corporate culture that can enable this sort of thing and worth checking out. Also, Patrick Wilson's in it for like hey. uh, a very brief moment towards the beginning. Uh, he And he doesn't say anything, really. Um, it's just like she's Julia Garner's characters in the elevator and the elevator doors open and Patrick Wilson walks in. Uh, he has like a scarf and he's just on his phone. And he's like, oh, hey, and just, keeps, <laughs> just and he walks out because they're in a film production company. So it's, you know, one of those right. things where actors theoretically would come in here and there. So Patrick Wilson just makes like a very brief cameo as himself um, thank god i was afraid he was going to be a sex predator like he was in hard candy oh it was no very very scary <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah that is the assistant uh which is on hulu right now and uh well worth checking out i think uh, one of the better movies i've seen uh in 2020 so mike what else you've been watching recently um i also watched uh, i've been if you saw on twitter trying to plow through some of my vinegar syndrome blu-rays uh before my way too many blu-rays from black friday show up <laughs> so i was like yeah i looked at my thing and i was like i have a ton that i haven't watched and i have a bunch more coming i should start watching these um <laughs> and as a note i think hangs upon nothing is streaming on amazon prime if i remember right if anyone is okay. interested in that so go ahead check that out uh but next up is pale blood from 1990 and this is a a weird little like erotic thriller from direct-to-video situation uh which in 1990 could mean a lot of great things um and it's about a vampire in la who teams up with a journalist she doesn't know he's a vampire to solve of these serial killings for the uh, I forget what they call him. He's got like a funny the East L.A. vampire serial killer guy or something like that or like the L.A. sucker or some stupid <laughs> shit they come up with. Uh, this serial killer guy who's killing people and staging the bodies to look like vampire killings. So this vampire takes it upon himself to solve the murders to prevent the knowledge of vampires existing coming out. You know, he's draw this serial killer guy is drawing too much attention and it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. It's very sleek in that 1990, you know, neon still analog, but the advent of digital kind of age. You know, there's a lot of like uh, a lot of stuff about like video art because like the, the who the killer is is like 
into filming everything kind of like in, in like American Psycho that like that kind of thing you know he records and films everything and it's about commercial possessions and stuff like that versus like the ancient vampire you know natural order kind of world but you know it's also a 1990s direct-to-video thriller so it's not got right. like a whole lot to say about that <laughs> but it is kind of fun and bloody and erotic and there's a lot of like weird weird extended sex scenes and stuff um, Wings Hauser is in it who's, who's a co-star in this who's a person I've heard about a lot that he's on they mention him on Pure Cinema Podcast a lot. Right. He doesn't make appearances on Pure Cinema Podcast. No, no, no. He's mentioned a lot, his movies. Yeah. And uh, they always talk about him as this kind of just like raw, insane force. And this is the first time I've ever seen a movie like being conscious of Wingshauser. So like when he saw him in the credits, I was like, ooh, interesting. And I've never felt more scared for any everyone involved in a film than any time this guy's on scene. <laughs> like he's just this kind of raw, like he literally like a, he, he feels like he might tackle anybody on screen at any moment, even though that's not definitely not in the script. So that's pretty fun. But yeah, Pale Blood, it's OK, I guess it's pretty fun. in as far as some of these Vinegar Syndrome movies goes, it's definitely not the some of the best I've seen, but it's OK. It's It's kind of cool and interesting in that, like, I would have never seen this, you know weird erotic 90s straight to video thriller thing right so that's pale blood uh and the next one i want to talk about is a uh, demonoid from 1981 Ooh. yes and this is like a like this would be a all night marathon movie style <laughs> kind of thing right. Pl- the plot of this is this uh these like miners slash explorers kind of thing uncover this demonic cult ritual site in a mine they're like opening in Mexico, and they find this like cursed hand, this demon hand. They don't know it's a demon hand, of course. <laughs> and they bring it out of the mine and they like defile it, you know, by a kind of like, look at this junk kind of situation. Like these like dumb white guys don't know what they're talking about. And then they get cursed and the demon hand comes to life and it like replaces. It's kind of what's that <laughs> devil's hands, idle hands that like 19, wacky 1990s Seth Green. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Where like with this demon hand replaces the person's hand and like just possesses them. And it's like, yep. It's a lot of acting against their own hand, and no one really does that as well as Bruce Campbell. So the whole time That's I fair. was just kind of like, "Why are you even trying, everybody?" Um, <laughs> but it is insane. Like the you know the hand like is lighting people lighting people on fire and then crawling away to the next person and killing them and crawling to the next person and it's bloody and gory and silly and wacky. So that was pretty fun. That's that's Demonoid from 1981. Nice. All right. So it's Demonoid. And what was the name of the first one, Mike? Pale Blood. Pale blood. All right. Uh, all right. A few more I wanted to talk about here. Uh, first off is a new movie from director Sean Durkin. Uh, Sean Durkin was the director of Martha Marcy May Marlene in 2011. Vicky uh, Cristina Barcelona. That's the one. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from everyone's favorite director, Woody Allen. Uh, Yikes. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Sean Durkin uh, did Martha Marcy May Marlene, which was kind of the the breakout movie for Elizabeth Olsen. Um, she was the star of that movie, and it was uh, this kind of breakthrough Sundance independent drama uh, where Elizabeth Olsen played this uh, girl who kind of got wrapped up in this cult where John Hawks was the cult leader. Uh, and that's a movie that I really, really liked in 2011. I haven't really seen it since, and it's a pretty bleak, pretty dark movie, so I'm probably not going to review it anytime soon, but there's stuff in that movie that has just stuck with me to this day. There's like one scene where John Hawks is singing a song on his guitar, like around the cult, uh, and it's just, you know, one of those things that like, I, I can still hear that song in my head. It's just really, wow. really great. Uh, and Sean Durkin has not made a movie since Martha Marcy May Marlene 
until now. Nine years later, Sean Durkin is back with a new movie, uh, which is on video on demand right now, uh, and it's called The Nest, uh, and it stars Jude Law and Carrie Coon uh, as this couple in the 80s who are not uh, well off financially, but they act as if they are. Well, really, Jude Law does. And so they're in America and they've moved around a few times, uh, kind of following around like whatever work Jude Law can get uh, until eventually they decide to. Well, Jude Law decides they're moving the family to England, to his home country. Uh, where he's taking a job with his old firm and theoretically he can start making a lot of money. And he moves them into this huge, like fancy mansion and Carrie Coon, you know, is uh, like a horse instructor. And so she like has like a, you know, a ranch out back and stuff like that. It's like this big lavish mansion, uh, which he wants his family to love. But Carrie Coon knows that like they don't have any money Uh, (laughs) and this is going to become unaffordable very, very fast. Uh, And so the movie is really about the struggle with that and about like, because it takes place in the eighties. It's about like, living in like kind of difficult economic times, the eighties in Britain under Margaret Thatcher. And it's about this marriage kind of falling apart with Jude Law and Carrie Coon. And Carrie Coon is amazing in this movie as she is in most things. Uh, Carrie Coon is like her performance in the leftovers is one of the best TV performances ever. She's so good (laughs) on that show. Uh, And she is really, really terrific uh, in the nest. Jude Law also very, very good. And their two kids are there with them. And uh, it's about, you know, the kids like trying to kind of break free and like the daughters rebelling and hanging out with like people around town, like some no good punks and (laughs) stuff like that and throwing a party at the big mansion and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a really, really solid drama. Uh, Carrie Coon, again, amazing in it. And uh, there's uh, some really solid dark comedy in here, too. Uh, So, yeah, the nest on video on demand. uh, Definitely worth checking out. And then I wanted to mention a movie that's available on Apple TV Plus. Uh, actually, it was a launch movie on Apple TV Plus, uh, which was back in April, I think, is when that streaming service launched. Uh, and I wanted to watch it like immediately as soon as it came out because it's very much up my alley. But I didn't because I didn't have Apple TV Plus and I didn't want to pay for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anybody who had it either, so I couldn't like you know steal a password. I think Apple TV is a little bit harder to steal from somebody else too because you gotta like kind of lock in with your Apple ID. Mm, uh, yeah, and that's. And that's something that people don't want to give up as easily as like their HBO password. Right. <laughs> you know, that's like a uh, which, real thing. Yeah, exactly. Totally fair. Uh, but anyway, since I'm trying to catch up on a lot of the 2020 movies I've missed out on, uh, a few of those are on Apple TV plus. So I figured, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to, you know, get it for like a month or two and catch up on these movies. And my first order of business was to watch uh, a new documentary called Beastie Boys Story. Ready? Now here's a little story that I got to tell about three bad brothers that you know so well. It started way back in history with that rock. MCA and me. Mike D. Hello, everyone. What we're going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. The Beastie Boys. 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 In the early 80s, everyone in our scene was in the band. We wanted to be rappers so bad, but we were mediocre at best. Just don't stop. Most rappers hold their rhymes in little pieces of paper, right? We went from being famous in a 14-block radius to being on tour with Madonna and Rick Rubin. The shows kept getting bigger and bigger. We morphed from making fun of party bros to actually becoming those dudes. We were burning out. I just didn't even recognize the person that I had become at that point. Yo, hold up. It's not over yet. Go. 
which is directed by Spike Jones, by the way. Uh, wow. Is, yeah, of course, the director of Being John Malkovich and Adaptation and her uh, got to start doing music videos and very famously did the Sabotage music video from Beastie Boys, uh, which is one of the best music videos ever. Uh, and this is Ad-Rock and Mike D at like this kind of speaking engagement at I think uh, I think it's the Beacon Theater in New York City uh, okay. is where they're at. Uh, and it's just them talking about the history of the Beastie Boys. It's, <laughs> it's basically that for like an hour and 40 minutes. And it's just the kind of this live stage show that they did that's like incorporating like footage behind them and stuff and just talking about how the band got started and stuff like that. And it's really a big tribute to MCA, who, of course, passed away uh, in 2012. That was a very heartbreaking day for me. I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan. (laughs) Love, Love me some Beasties. And so, of course, I was like, all in on this movie. Uh, I've been meaning to read the book. There's also like a Beastie Boys story book that came out like a year ago or two years ago that is supposed to also be really, really good and probably goes into a lot more depth than this movie gets to go to. But, uh, you know, this movie has the advantage of getting to play the songs, which are also great. So, <laughs> like, you know, getting to play music and using like the visual representation of the band. Uh, so, yeah, it's like Ad Rock and Mike Deej kind of reflecting on their history of the band and like how when they broke out, they broke out kind of as the fight for your right to party guys. And that right. was a song they wrote. Ironically, it's like make fun of those guys, but they kind of got co-opted into that image. And so, you know, over the years, they tried to break away from that. You know, MCA, especially Adam Yauke, you know, started studying Buddhism and, you know, their lyrics started to reflect like their changing attitudes and all that stuff about how like, hey, we should be respectful to women and not treat them like ass- assholes yeah. and stuff like that and all, all that. So it really goes into depth with a lot of that stuff. And, you know, Ad-Rock is making fun of the fact that like they wrote a song called Girls in their first album. And it's just it's a very <laughs> and it's a joke song, but it's like a very sexist song. And it's, you know, one of those things that was a thing in the 80s and like, they grew and learned from that experience and, you know, all that stuff. So it's a, it's a really fascinating story for any fan of the Beastie Boys. And I think even if you're not like a fan of the Beastie Boys in general, maybe even just like a casual fan, I think it's worth checking out. I think it's a really well-told story, really good documentary. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Beasties are some, like are a group that like I'm obviously culturally familiar with, but yeah. not not like in any real fan capacity. But I bet it still sounds really interesting. Definitely. So, yeah, that's a Beastie Boys story, which is on Apple TV Plus and uh, definitely worth watching. There's also if you're if you're looking for an Apple TV thing to get you in there, Mike, there's a Bruce Springsteen concert on there. <gasps> My God. <laughs> Uh, which I think just came out like two months ago or something like that, like pretty Seamless. recently. So there you go. Uh, yeah, Bruce Springsteen stuff on there, which did you catch? Uh, you're, you're a huge Springsteen fan. Did you catch Bruce Springsteen on SNL this past weekend? No, I didn't. Oh, Springsteen was musical guest in SNL uh, oh my God. This, this past weekend. And uh, it was the best part of the show. It was incredible. Well, of course. It was, I think it was two songs from his new album. Uh, and supposedly the new album is really good. Uh, nice. Like it's, it's, it's been getting one of the best reviews he's gotten in years. So, uh, yeah, Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band, still killing it. So much fun watching Steven Van Zandt up there, too, now that yeah. I'm watching The Sopranos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh which is really cool but uh yeah so definitely we're i'm probably gonna watch that bruce springsteen concert too and all that stuff but yeah all right so that's bc boy's story mike you had one more movie to talk about yes i got one more and that is the best vitro syndrome thing i think i've seen so far honestly uh of all the movies that i've owned um and uh, every vinegar syndrome movie you're it's saying better close. than pigs Better than pigs. Uh, It's an easy top five, at least. Uh, It definitely feels like it might be number one. And that is 1975's Sudden Fury. And this is a uh, little, mean little regional Canadian movie. Okay. uh, The plot is basically uh, this good Samaritan guy comes across this car accident on the side of the road. And he goes down to help the woman that's trapped in the car. And I mean, there's a setup to this, like, you know, like the audience knows what's happened and this guy doesn't that the husband and wife are like have been on the skids and they go out into the country to like have a picnic. And this guy thinks he's going to 
you know, kind of turn the tide and they'll get back together and all this stuff. And she rebuffs him. They start having this big, crazy blowout argument while he's driving on these back Canadian country roads. It's such a shame that in the Goldblum pod, you mentioned uh, in Hideaway, the thing from Wet Hot American Summer where there's just, oh, fuck, because that's exactly what happens with this. They're just having this big blowout argument, yelling at each other. And then all of a sudden they're like, ah, and they drive off the road. <laughs> so you forever ruin sudden car accidents <laughs> yep. by, by bringing up that thing from 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> went out American summer. Anyway, uh, that's basically what happens. And he gets the husband gets thrown from the car and he realizes that he could leave his wife there to die and that he'll get her life insurance money. So he like leaves. OK, so then this good Samaritan shows up, right? And he comes across the car accident and he saves the woman. And she explains to him that, you know, my my husband left me. He abandoned me here and he's it's him trying to save her. And then you they show the husband is in the bushes on the side of the road watching this happen like he didn't actually leave. Yeah. So then it becomes this cat and mouse game between the husband and this good Samaritan guy as he's trying to kill him. The husband's trying to kill the Good Samaritan because now he knows his secret's out. Uh, And it just kind of is this like slow burn, mean exploitation escalation of more and more people. Like they come to a farmhouse and now there's the people that live at the farmhouse might know. And it's this kind of just like devolves into bloody murder insanity of all these people trying to kill each other and survive and stuff. And it's just really fucking good. It's got really twists and turns and it's mean spirited (laughs) in that like kind of fun 70s exploitation kind of way. You know, like this guy just is like an everyman and he's didn't think that he didn't plan this and it just happened by accident. And now he's got to kill all these people and like he's mad about life and all this stuff. So, yeah, it was really cool. And this was something that like I would definitely see like, you know, number three or four in a like all night movie marathon that would like wake people back up kind of situation. So, yeah, that's that's sudden fury from vinegar syndrome. And it's very fucking cool. Nice. Okay, that sounds amazing. And uh, I feel like next time Vinegar Syndrome has a sale, I'm probably going to uh, yeah. get that. Uh, like a, a, a number one or top five Vinegar Syndrome release from you. Like you have so many Vinegar Syndrome <laughs> Blu-rays now uh, that that feels like a pretty heavy endorsement. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Sudden Fury from 1975 available on a Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Uh, and then I have a couple more movies I wanted to kind of quickly get through. First off, uh, I've started watching the uh, the Small Axe Anthology films directed by Steve McQueen. So uh, this is. Uh, you know, this is weird because I think I had kind of like heard a little bit that Steve McQueen was doing this. And Steve yeah. McQueen, by the way, the director, not the actor, the actor yes. for many years, yep. uh, <laughs> the director, Steve McQueen, who did 12 Years a Slave and Widows and Shame and Hunger and uh, those great movies. And Steve McQueen has directed five new films and is presenting them in this small acts anthology. Uh, and they're being released like once a week on Amazon Prime. And I think they might all be out by now or the fifth one might be coming out this week or something like that or whatever. But yeah, there's been like a little bit of an online debate about whether these actually count as individual films or if it's like more of an anthology TV series. And I think it kind of lies somewhere in the middle. I'm counting them towards my 2020 count for my top films of the year. So take that for what it's worth. But each one is like its own individual film. uh, And they're all sort of centered around the uh, the West Indian community uh, in London in like the 60s through the 80s. It kind of varies like decade by decade, but it all kind of takes place in between like the late 60s, early 80s. And so I've watched the first two of these and four of these movies, I'm pretty sure, are historical dramas, uh, like based on actual people and actual events that happened. And then one of them is fictional. Uh, And so the first one is a story is a historical drama called Mangrove, uh, which is this uh, movie about these uh, you know people in a village who are being brutalized by the police like 
night after night, like the you know the police are like raiding this restaurant that they go to and like hang out in all the time, and it's all people of color, obviously. And then eventually, kind of escalates into a trial, uh, and like the people are like you know saying like hey, they, like they attacked us and stuff like that. We fought back and all that, and it's it's that kind of situation. It's actually very similar to the trial of the Chicago Seven, which came out earlier this year, mm-hmm. uh, which I also which I liked and I liked Mangrove also. Did I say the name of this movie? It's called Mangrove. You uh, did, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, and it's yeah, it's about this Mangrove Nine uh, that happened. And uh, Letitia Wright is the star of this movie, which which I will say I watched this like two days before all the uh, Letitia Wright anti-vax stuff started coming out. Okay, that's good. Uh, So there's that. I mean, Letitia Wright is still a talented actress and whatever. That's crazy Twitter things. Hopefully (laughs) hopefully that changes. But uh, she is good in Mangrove and there's a very solid ensemble here. Uh, I feel like I, I watched these first two movies and I liked them. I feel like I didn't connect as hard with them as I wanted to. And as I've seen, like I've seen like these movies, a lot of them like pop up on, you know, critics top 10 lists and stuff like that. Like these are the best movies of the year so far. And I'm watching them and I'm going like, yeah, these are pretty good. Like there's, they're solid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Mangrove is a solid historical drama. Uh, the other one is called lovers rock uh, that I watched. And uh, this is a, this is the one fictional movie in the, in the thing. And I, I like this one more. And I think what's interesting about lovers rock is it is just one long party. Uh, that these characters are at like the like a, a few characters you're following a few different people and it's kind of this like very underground London West Indian party and it's one of those things where you know you can't like be seen partying or else the police are gonna come in and raid it and all right. that stuff uh, and it's just these people at a party you know having fun dancing getting into drama and stuff like that and there's these different relationships that kind of clash and these guys who are hitting on the women and the women who are trying to rebuff the guys advances and all that stuff and there is just a really solid purity to the movie. And especially, I think, watching it during COVID times where I've not been to a very crowded party in a long time. Yeah. Uh, looked like fun. I wanted to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's a really good soundtrack to this to this movie, too. And this one's only like 70 minutes long. Nice. Uh, so easily watchable. And uh, yeah, it's got like, you know, there's a great scene towards the beginning where uh, they're all dancing the Kung Fu fighting by Carl Douglas. And it's really great. Uh, and there's a great scene about midway through the movie where uh, I don't know the artist of the song, but the song's name is Silly Games. And it's this, uh, you know, kind of disco-y, you know, pop song from the 70s. And it's just everybody in the crowd is just so united in their love for the song. And eventually the music goes out, but they keep singing the song and it's, it's a really good, like unifying moment. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good Testament to just the power of connection and music and all that stuff. So I like lovers rock more than I like mangrove uh, basically, but both are good. And uh, I, I will probably try to keep watching the other movies in the series. But the thing is like, because I'm counting them as movies, it's like, I want like variety in the movies that I'm also watching. And I don't want to just watch like five straight Steve McQueen movies that are all kind of about the same thing yeah uh, <laughs> but but i like steve mcqueen i think he's a very talented filmmaker i might not watch all these by the end of 2020 but i will probably watch all of them at some point uh, i know john boyega is in one of them too uh, yeah i think he's the star i think it's called red white and blue and i think it's like a third or fourth one uh that has come out but uh yeah so that's mangrove and lover's rock off a of small axe mike have you heard anything about those like any any of these movies um like kind of generally it's something that hasn't really been on my radar but i do remember uh the queen's drive-in i think showed mangrove uh for okay. free they had like a partnership thing like in november or the end of October or something uh, with Amazon for free to go see it. And I just didn't get a chance to, but it, so that was kind of like the one thing I heard about it. And I remember hearing that like John Boyega was involved and it was like this kind of Amazon thing. Like, so I didn't even realize that it's like this a- anthology sort of loosely connected se- via setting series thing. 
Yeah, I mean, Steve McQueen calls them films, and so I guess they're films. But yeah, uh, yeah that's Mangrove and Lover's Rock, available on Amazon Prime as part of the Small Axe thing. Although you got to search Small Axe uh, to watch it. And even when you're on Amazon Prime or whatever, it just says, okay, season one, episode one, Mangrove, season one, episode two. Like, yeah. it's like, play the next episode. It, like, treats it as if it's TV, which is very strange. Uh, but yeah, okay, one more movie I had uh, on my list to talk about, and this one's actually also on Apple TV+, Plus, like the Beastie Boys story. Uh, and this one came out, I think, back in October. It's the new film from Sofia Coppola. Uh, it's called On the Rocks. This is a movie uh, starring Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, uh, which. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, now good I pairing. Yeah. Good pairing right there. Uh, and Rashida Jones plays this woman who's kind of like in a rut, happily married, theoretically. And her husband's like really busy at work, so she doesn't see him all that often. Uh, but, you know, she has a kid and she's like every day just taking the kid to school and like listening to the same conversations over and over and that kind of thing and coming home. And it's the same thing the next day. Uh, and Bill Murray plays her dad, who is like <laughs> this kind of like loose cannon, crazy, wacky guy who, you know, is is, you know, divorced many years ago and he's just living his best life. He's like hangs out in Florida and he's an artist and he goes to France and all that stuff. You know, he's he's it's all over the place. Yeah, he's Bill Murray. And uh, basically, as the movie goes on, uh, Rashida Jones suspects that her husband, played by Marlon Wayans, is cheating on her. And so Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, they team up and they are tracking him down. They go, they go to stalk Marlon Wayne's character. And uh, yeah, it's a Sofia Coppola movie, so it's slow, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty subdued, uh, but it's pretty funny. It's pretty solid. It's it's watchable. It's uh, I don't think it's her best work. I think, uh, you know, I mean, Lost in Translation is amazing. And like, you know, she's, I, I preferred like, you know, I really liked The Beguiled when she did that a couple years ago. Uh, and I think this is like a solid time. It's not bad by any means. And I think Bill Murray really like carries the movie on his own. Like I, a lot of the best stuff is from him. Uh, I think I wanted a little bit more of like a little bit more of a comedy thing going on. And it, yeah. it is comedic, but like it's a Sofia Coppola movie. So it's like that <laughs> version of comedic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, it's a little bit slow paced and uh, a, a little dry in some spots, but I also enjoyed it. I think Rashida Jones and Bill Murray are good together. Uh, there's one really great scene where Bill Murray gets pulled over by like the police and like, like the police off, like his car like shuts down. And it's like, it's basically undrivable. Like, you know, it, it like barely moves and it's like this ridiculous car and the police like pull him over. Like, you know, you can't like drive this on the street. Right. And Bill Murray just gets up. It's like, Hey man, I know your dad. And like, they like, <laughs> talking like you know, it's one of those things and it's just like Rashida Jones just like it must be so good to be you and it's like let's go and you know amazing Bill Murray's got a lot of energy in this movie and uh, it's a lot of fun especially because I mean Bill Murray's the best in recent years it's tougher to find those kind of Bill Murray performances you know yeah like he's in movies sometimes but only when he wants to be it is like one of those things where like you know if you have a director that knows how to use Bill Murray really well uh, which Sofia Coppola does, obviously, Lost in Translation, great movie. You know, you have somebody who can really tap into his strengths. Uh, he will play to them, and he's very, very good in On the Rocks. Uh, so, yeah, that's on uh, Apple TV Plus right now. Nice. Yeah. All right. And uh, I believe that brings us to the end of this week, Mike. Yes. All right. That's all the things. That is all the things we are talking about in our final uh, off my quarantine watch for 2020. Wow. Uh, so hopefully there aren't that many more of these to come in 2021. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. There will be. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> for sure. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Maybe it'll only be half the year or something. We'll see True. what happens. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Mike, where can we find you online this week? 
You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and interview the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike and Mike Go to the Movies at gmail.com. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the totally original Geek News Podcast, a podcast with all kinds of column books and movie news and all that good stuff. And of course, you can follow this podcast at Mike and Mike pod. Uh, so for our next episode, we're talking the Mandalorian season two. And I promise we will try not to get into a big discussion about the Disney investors day again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we said everything we need to say. I think so. But uh, we're also getting a guest on that episode too. Uh, another Mike Smith, uh, <laughs> which oh boy. That, might, that might be confusing. Uh, but uh, our, our friend, uh, Mike Smith, AKA monkey pockets. I didn't ask him if he, if I'm allowed to introduce him as that, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, he's also the host of a podcast and he'll be joining us to talk about the Mandalorian, which I think should be interesting because he's somebody who just got into star Wars about a year ago. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so yeah. interested in that perspective. Yeah, he he had never seen a single Star Wars movie before like December 2019 uh, and, you know, caught up to watch Rise of Skywalker in theaters. He became uh, a father first and then watched Star Wars. Yes. Incredible. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, very excited to have uh, Mikey Pockets on the podcast, uh, talking The Mandalorian season two next week. In the meantime, our Jeff Goldblum podcast is weekly. Uh, we just released our episode on nine months. And next week we're talking powder, which will also be our last episode for the Goldblum podcast for 2020. We're going to take two weeks off and come back in 2021. So make a note to uh, edit the copy because you will definitely forget that. <laughs> <laughs> you are 100% correct. I'm going to be promising an episode that does not exist. Yep. <laughs> and that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. I can hear it now. And stay tuned. In the meantime, our Goldboom pod. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. It's it's 100% what's going to happen. Nice. <laughs> let's do 20 minutes, 20 more minutes on Disney. Yeah, let's, let's go right into it. <laughs>